Hi you guys, it's your host Anna. Welcome to this week's episode on Undereducated. Today the conversation I have to share with you is one that I believe truly changed my life. I think that I think about Olivia's story probably multiple times a week and I'm sure my husband is sick of hearing me talk about how incredible I think she is and just how much her story genuinely changed my life and I can't wait for you all to hopefully have the same experience. Olivia went through something that I can almost guarantee the majority of us will never even hear about outside of Olivia's story or experience in our own lives, but it's something that we can gain so much from in hearing how she has experienced what she did, moved forward and grown and become such a light and an example to those around her in choosing to be vulnerable and open up and share it with us. So I hope you love this as much as I do. Tune in and let's get educated together. Today I'm here with Olivia, and she is going to share a little bit about her experience with us. So let's maybe start from, I don't know, the beginning, where you and your husband were thinking about trying to get pregnant, maybe? Yeah, um, so my husband and I, it was 2019, and we were kind of in a place where we felt really good about starting our family. We'd been married for a few years. I had... um, just quit my job and I was going to go back to school full time. So I was like, actually, if I got pregnant, I would have like, like the bandwidth for it. <laughs> and then maybe I could just avoid Wait, working altogether. Interior design. So oh, what I do okay, now, okay. I went back to school for it. I didn't go to college right after I graduated from high school because I didn't oh, know what I, I wanted to no do. <laughs> yeah, no, I just did my own thing. And then, it. yeah, went back and did design for, did the whole program just at Slick for year but anyways yeah so it felt like a good time for us went off birth control in august 2019 and obviously you know my um doctor just said this can take like six months to a year if you have any issues come back and i was just like great sounds good probably won't get pregnant right away but like we'll see what happens yeah um so we started trying that following month i got my period back really quickly and I like super regular right away which I was pumped about yeah Yeah. and I was feeling really good so we were kind of trying and um in October my husband just kind of started having this feeling that he wanted to go get his sperm checked which I thought was really unnecessary yeah you're (laughs) like why yeah I was like why we have six months to a year and then like if there's an issue we would address it and go take care of it but he has a history with um addiction and opioids and when we started dating he was newly sober he was like five months over when we started dating so i've I've only known him in his sobriety Sobriety. and he's Mm -hmm. six years sober now which is great that's amazing and yeah 
and he had some experiences with friends and um, fellow addicts where they had been trying to have babies and a lot of them had had issues with like their sperm count and motility okay. and all these things. And I still was kind of of the mindset, like, we don't need to do this right away. Let's push it off. Like, I'm sure everything's fine. And I was like, I'm, my period's regular. I'm probably perfect. Like, yeah, you're like, I'm fine. fine. We're fine. I'm like 22 <laughs> years old and this is going to be yeah, fine. Like, um, so anyways, he was really stressed and worried about it. Um, and he had gotten, he'd also gotten some like blood work done at the time and his testosterone was kind of funky. So he was just feeling like I want really out of up. sorts. Okay. Yeah. So that January, January of 2020, he went and got his sperm looked at and I like didn't even really realize he was doing it. Like I'd kind of forgotten about it. You're like, we talked about it, but you had no, yeah, I was not, yeah, I was not worried about it. Wasn't focused on it. And I kind of forgot the day that he was doing it. And I mean, this is kind of where starts to get rocky for us I guess (laughs) he came home and I was home and he walked in the house and I thought someone had died like the look on his face and the way he was he was like shaking and crying I I had never seen actually yeah it was really tender but I really had never seen her husband you guys is like big burly yeah he's a bodybuilder nutrition coach fitness like big he is the he shed tears I'd be like Oh my gosh. No, I've never seen him show so much emotion. Oh, um, that's really sweet. And I was like, what is wrong? And he was like, well, it's so bad. He just kept saying it's so bad over and over again. And I was like, like, what, what is so bad? What happened? What did you do? Yeah, like, like and like, either someone died or like you killed someone or you're cheating on me. Like, what is happening here? And <laughs> like... And he's like, my sperm. And I, it just hit me. And I was like, oh, my gosh. He got his sperm checked. And he got the results back. And um, he, his sperm was the worst sperm the doctor had ever seen. The doctor said that to us also. Oh We've yeah. heard it multiple times. <laughs> You're and, like, thank you for your brutal honesty. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> and for me, I just... I didn't know. I guess I also didn't know a lot about sperm back then. Yeah, totally. I don't think people Which know a lot about people, sperm. Yeah, it's not so really like common I, knowledge what they're looking for in a sperm analysis. So yeah, I could share what yeah, they look for in a sperm, sperm yeah, analysis. Please, please do. So in a sperm analysis, um, you know, you, you do the thing where you go. The guy goes to the office and you go in the little room and you give him your sample and you do all of that and then they put it under a microscope. They like shake it up and they like look at it. Literally, <laughs> that's what they do. And they look at motility, they look at count, um, and just overall health of um, the sperm. They can look at genetic indicators to see if there's, like, any issues or red flags as far as whether or not you'd be able to have a healthy baby. So his sperm was looked at, um, and a normal sperm specimen, like a really healthy normal one, would have around 100 million sperm per ejaculation. And anything above, I think, like, 30 or 40 million is, like, still great. Some people have way more. Like, I don't know. It's weird to me. Um, My husband had less than 1,000 sperm, and they were not moving. (laughs) They were were lazy, and they were not swimming. And um, that right there was just a big indicator that, like, okay, we probably have some issues that we need to address. So, um kind of had a sad day that day and Jordan was really struggling and he was like what does this means like we can't have kids like I I don't know what this means like can we not have a biological child that that's our own and we kind of played out that day a lot of different scenarios and I was like look as far as I know it takes one sperm to do this so I think that we have options and I'm probably still healthy so everything's fine incredible I feel like envisioning like putting myself in that situation I feel like that would be really one hard 
But also, I can't imagine, you know, what Jordan was feeling. Yeah. And, like, you don't have to answer this if you don't know or you're not comfortable, but was it, did you feel like it was, like, difficult for him to kind of, like, overcome any guilt about, like, the situation? Or did it was, like, for I feel like it sounds like you as a for spouse sure. like, addressed it so beautifully and graciously that, like, you could have moved through it seamlessly. But yeah. But at the same time. I think for sure it created a lot of mental barriers for him. for him. I think he, what makes me sad, he, I think, I'm sure felt guilt about, like, if I would have made better decisions in my life, like, this um, might have been different. But I, I've never really felt that way. And I, and I don't think he truly feels that way because the reality is, is him and I have an age gap. He's 10 years older than me. And part of me feels like if he hadn't been an addict and making all of these decisions, we probably wouldn't have found each other. So there's just these little things where I'm like, you know what? Like that's just life. And the more life I live, I'm like, well, all these weird decisions we make usually end up leading having a purpose and everything's works out. Um, so yeah, but it was, it was a tough, it was a tough day. I mean, we played out all sorts of scenarios and we were like, look, you know, like if you can't, if, we can't have a biological child that's both of ours like I'm so open to adoption or we have um I don't even think they know this but we have a his sister and um brother-in-law are not gonna have any kids they've chosen not to have children Mm -hmm. and um part of us were like like what if we use like Shane's sperm (laughs) like made baby and And quickly realized that probably wasn't a good family (laughs) dynamic (laughs) but it was a good idea like we really played out all of these scenarios scenarios. and we were like you know what like this is gonna be fine let's just make an appointment let's go talk with um a specialist and like let's figure out what the next steps are because right now we've just been given bad news and we haven't even been told what our options are yeah so I think it was like a week later we went and saw a fertility doctor, and once again, we're told it was the worst, some of the worst sperm we've <laughs> ever seen. I'm like, can we be a little more tactful, please? I mean, they were, it was, my husband and I have, like, a really good sense of humor, yeah, so, so it was lighthearted those conversations were, like, were funny, and that's something, like, we have been able to laugh about some really dark things, yeah, so which is probably good. Oh, Here yeah, if you can, can laugh about so it, you're gonna get through it, so it's gonna be fine. Um... Yeah, some really dark jokes along the way. But anyways, um, so we went and saw a fertility specialist, and he was like, well, look, we're going to put you on some drugs and some medications, and we're just going to test your sperm probably, you know, every couple weeks or a month. I can't remember how frequently it was. And we're so going to see Jordan on meds. Jordan, okay. yes. We're going to see where we can get your sperm to. And I said, well, should I – do you guys want to look at me? Like, is there anything I should be looking at? And he basically was like, okay, you're – it's 2020, so I was 23. He's like, you're 23. Your period comes every 28 days. Like I, he's like, I'm, he's really like, not I'm sure that you're you fine. He was like, you don't have like abnormal period pain. I was like, no, like just cramps, like every super normal. Mm-hmm. And um, so yeah, we started his um, his prescriptions, and by May, I think his sperm had gotten to a pretty good place. I can't remember what the final number was but I think it was in like the hundreds of thousands oh amazing so significantly better and and honestly with those types of therapies like for anyone that gets that like really sad information about your sperm (laughs) most people that we know that have done this like they've been able to get their sperm up into the back into the millions or wherever it is and a lot of people do this and they come out with a really successful result and they're able to get pregnant on their own so we're kind of yeah we're there's a lot of 
hope in that category. And yeah. honestly, like I didn't know this, but for um, every one in three couples that struggles with infertility, it's the man. Yeah. And I think nobody, like, nobody talks about no. it. And I think that's why a lot of people struggle for so long is because it like doesn't even occur to them that it could be the male partner in the situation. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Like it could be getting on some meds to help their sperm count. And like, that's the solution. And it's the easiest type so, of testing like, to do. Yes, and I tell, I have a lot of, I, we're at the age where everyone around us is like talking about kids and having babies. Yes. And a lot of my um, friends and coworkers are kind of in a place where they're not feeling totally ready, but they're curious about their fertility. So they're like, I think I'm going to do modern fertility or all these different things. And I say, you need to make your husband yeah, like go get his sperm too. checked. Like have yeah. him do it with you. This is a group project. Yeah, like, we're like, figuring this see. out together. Um, so yeah, we um, got to, I think it was around May. We um, were finishing up like the rounds of medications that they'd given him and his sperm got to a pretty good place. Um, but not a good enough place to consider us good candidates for IUI. And we still were told we would not be able to get pregnant on our own. In order to do an IUI, you have to have a minimum of 10 million sperm for it to be oh successful. Like your odds wow. really decrease. Decrease if it's anything Yeah. Else. And I, I mean, know I know that. so many people that have done IUIs and they're hard. I mean, most people don't yeah. get it on the first try. I mean, I have a friend that's on her, I think her sixth round of IUI. Oh gosh, yeah. Wow. So it's, it makes sense to me why... Yeah. They say, you know, don't – and I'm great with that because I don't want to waste money on that. No, but, absolutely, um, and why if, like, the odds are against you in a, yes. in a way. Like, it's like – yeah, it's nice that you had a doctor that was very honest and open about that with you yeah. because I feel like in my own interactions with some people out in, like, the healthcare world, I've, I've interacted with people who, like, have gone through failed IUIs for, like, a year or two. You know what I mean? Like, and a they very just long time. And their, their doctor just, you know – feels very strongly that they shouldn't move to IVF yet because, like, they could get pregnant with IUI. It's this, like, rigmarole that people get on, and mm-hmm. you just kind of have to – I've realized with fertility and pregnancy and everything else, like, you just have to be assertive, and you have to know yourself, you and you have to know what you want, yourself. and you have to understand that it's an expensive process. Everything about having a baby, whether or not you do fertility treatments, is, is so costly and expensive, and I think any expenses that you can skip – not only do they save you money, they save you a lot of mental bandwidth. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they, like, no, it really, real. it gets you, I think, it's a roller coaster. And I don't I don't think a lot of women want to spend that much time on that ride. Yeah. So I just say, like, <laughs> like yeah, just, just do your, I mean, luckily the doctor gave us that information. But hopefully, like, if you're in that position, you could. Advocate for yourself. Yeah, and do yeah. your own research and be like, yeah. okay, well, what are the statistics of, my, you know, my situation and my husband's situation working successfully in an IUI, if they're yeah. not saying that to you. Um, so we froze his sperm. <laughs> the, health, <laughs> his, the healthy ones. The healthy, the healthy um, sperm. And they looked at it. And I'll say this. Um, they screened it for everything, and it was perfectly healthy, like no red flags, no issues, Amazing. nothing like that. So we're thinking, like, he'd been genetically um, screened, had mm-hmm. screening for any genetic stuff, and everything about him looked healthy. But we were kind of men of the mindset where I'm like, okay, this is great. We can't get pregnant on our own, so we're going to have to do IVF. So let's give ourselves – this was May of 2020. Let's, like, do IVF in 2021. Let's spend the next um, six or seven months just kind of, like, hanging out, saving up, like, just doing what we want to yeah, do to get prepared life. for it. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it was kind of out of sight, out of mind. I wasn't on birth control because I was told we couldn't, Wouldn't be pregnant. couldn't get pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, I started working the job that I'm at now that I love. And then 
that fall, a lot of hard things came up in my family and experienced a lot of loss. Um, and sorry, um, just was consumed with a lot of things. Um, going into that fall, I lost my mom and my grandma, um, two months apart from each other. And it was obviously a lot and it was heartbreaking and devastating and I was in the thick of grief and there was a lot of other really complicated things going on that affected my um, entire family and I kind of had to hold down the fort for everyone, um, including like my older siblings, my younger siblings. I was definitely the one that stepped up and made everything happen and um, it was a tough, it was a tough fall and um yeah, getting pregnant was literally the last the last thing, last on, thing on my mind. Um, and I, anyways, going into, I lost my mom in November, and we buried her like mid, mid-November. mid Anyways, going into Christmas, I was just in the thick of a lot of, a lot of things, like state-related. It's just, it was really complicated. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was totally something that I was just like, I'm going to do that next year. I wasn't even thinking about it. And then right before Christmas... I realized that my period was five days late. (laughs) And I was like, what? Like, what? (laughs) And I truly was not even thinking about it. I was like, this is so weird. I've probably just been really, I was so stressed. So stressed, which can cause your cycle to get out of whack. Like, that's not even an abnormal, like, or irrational thought. Oh, my gosh. experiencing what you went through the previous month. Like, that would be so normal. And I wasn't see. even aware of my period. I wasn't even thinking about it because I had so much other stuff on my mind. I was going through so many things. Um, and I just figured my cycle was off. And then the next – so I realized it was late. And then the next day it was like six days late. And I was like, okay, this feels like really late like, for me. For this is late. not normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like late at night. It was on. A, it was like the Monday before Christmas. Jordan was already asleep in bed, and I was, like, on the phone with someone. And I took a pregnancy test because I was like, this is going to be negative, and then I can just go to bed, and it's fine. And it was positive, and I kind of, like, started to spiral a little bit, and I was like, I can't be pregnant. Like, I can't get pregnant on my own. And then I think, I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is a gift from heaven. And I'm like, this is, like, I'm all over the place. Then I'm like, I should take another one. So then I'm like, I'm just going to shower and, like, drink water. (laughs) Husband's still asleep. Like, I'm just (laughs) – I get off the phone finally. I'm like, don't tell anyone. Um, So I take a shower, and then I take another test, and it's positive, and I go to wake up Jordan he's like half asleep and he goes I'm like Jordan wake up and he's like what like he's being annoyed because I'm yeah, waking like, him up. Just woke me up it's like 11 30 and <laughs> I'm like Jordan wake up and he's like okay what and I was like I'm pregnant and he was literally like no you're not and it's I was like, like funny joke no truly and he was kind of mean he was like no you're <laughs> he's not. like you woke me up for this I'm he's pissed. like you're not pregnant and I was like yeah I am I'm I just took two tests and they're positive and he's like it's it's not mine I was like I can't get you pregnant and I was like Jordan I'm pregnant and You're then like, he I think you. he made me take like four more tests that night oh my gosh and then the next morning he was like take another <laughs> one I was like I think at this point like the the rate is You're it's like, sweetie yeah and like it real. was the line was darker than the other line like everything was happening quick like there was no like, there question no mark question about yeah this. so that night I just it was crazy for me because I was yeah, just I blown away I was like, is this what people talk about? Like, they always say, like, you just, it's the last thing on your mind, and then it just happens. Like, yeah. just when you literally when forget you about it, like it just happens. Yeah. And I was like, maybe that's true. I don't know. <laughs> and 
anyways, we were, we were obviously excited. I was feeling a lot of emotions. I was obviously having an emotional Christmas and everything was happening. And I just, my mind, I was like, no, this is amazing. This is going to be the best thing for us. And also I had this feeling where I was like, I have been through, I'm going to swear, so much shit in the past (laughs) year. (laughs) I'm like, can I do that? Absolutely. Um, so much shit in the past year I was like nothing can go wrong yeah. like you're like how like could... losing my mom and my grandma was the tip of this huge iceberg of hard things that happened that year and I just was like this is nothing can go wrong yeah. like this is gonna be amazing and I just had this feeling I was like oh my gosh it's gonna be a girl and I just feel like this is like my mom and my grandma and like just all of these emotions and connections and things that I was feeling um and yeah we were excited but it this is gonna sound weird aside from the grief that I was experiencing I had like a deep sadness about my pregnancy like I couldn't um it sounds crazy but I like I look back on it and I truly deep down felt like I already knew I wasn't gonna meet this baby alive Um, but I was still so optimistic and obviously when I found out I was like five weeks along and I know that the first trimester, obviously miscarriage is a huge risk. So you kind of like hold your breath, right? Like I was, I didn't want to tell anybody right away. My husband told everyone, (laughs) like I would go to the gym and people would come to me like, congrats. And I was like, I don't even know who you are. Like (laughs) what is going on here? Um, I kept it pretty much a secret at work, and I told my friends pretty quickly, which I actually would recommend through it all because I'm so happy I had a support system, um, yeah. even in those early weeks. Um, at six weeks, I started to get really sick, obviously, like feeling morning sickness, and I was sick like 24 hours a day. I was oh, so sick, girl. <laughs> which is, it sounds crazy, but I it's fine. Like I didn't really, I look back on that and I'm like, oh my gosh, it was terrible and awful, but I can handle it. And I think, um, there's definitely community in that. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) Yeah. I was sick and I got through it. Um, and we had our first appointment at nine weeks and we went to the doctor and obviously it's just like a tiny little baby. Yeah. Yeah. And you just hear the heartbeat. Everything was healthy. The baby was measuring like right on track. Um, and they gave me a due date that this, it's so crazy, was my mom's birthday. Oh my gosh. I know. That so it was just crazy. like this whole whole thing, all these emotions. Yeah. And I was feeling, um, I was feeling good, feeling really sick. And in that first appointment, obviously you have the conversation with your doctor where they kind of talk to you about what the next nine months of your life are going to look like mm-hmm. and all of your options and things like that. And, um... We had that first appointment. We're asking lots of questions. And, of course, they bring up um, genetic testing, which in my mind at the time was this is how I find out if I'm having a boy or a girl as quick as possible, which I wanted to do. And the doctor explains everything to me. And I I go to a a midwife clinic that I love. So I see Mm -hmm. a group of midwives. And the way that they do it is you kind of see all of them. Um, You can pick who you want to deliver your baby. But in the off chance that she's not available, You'll you have a relationship with, with anyone. And I midwives. loved my experience with them. Um, 
Go Midwest. I yeah, love that. I love midwives. <laughs> I love them. So I love them. And doing my heart. <laughs> yeah, and doing um, research on experiences, the statistics of the type of experience you would have with a midwife. I mean, OBs are amazing, but they're surgeons, and they're a lot. You're a lot more likely a lot to more have more apt to intervene yes. in ways that you know a midwife might be more. Yeah. Cautious with. And I found <laughs> yeah, and I also found with midwives, they experience a lot of different patient types if that makes sense and I felt like everything they said to me was like we might recommend this but we have a lot of patients that do this this. and it was a lot of like I don't know I just love I love their approach um to medicine but anyways in that first appointment they bring up genetic testing and they tell us what it tests for how it works and they say obviously a lot of people come in here and they just want to find out whether or not they're having a boy or a girl and it's our job to tell you that um you know, that's kind of, there's the right reasons for doing the test, and that's to find out if you're having a healthy baby, and the wrong reasons would be to find out what you're having, and I literally think my husband said, laughing, we want to do it for the wrong reasons, like, we just want to know what we're having. He's like, I'm going to be straight. Because I'm like, once again, like, I'm young, everything's fine, his sperm got looked at, and it looked healthy, I mean, it wasn't, like, great sperm, but it didn't have any markers for anything, like, he'd had his genetic screening done. Um, so I was like, yeah, we're absolutely going to want to do that. And they're like, okay, great. So you'll come back at 10 weeks is when you can do the blood draw. And then it can take up to two weeks to get your result. And great. Made my appointment, went home. Um, obviously like so excited. We've had our ultrasound. Everything looked great. Um, at that point I was feeling more comfortable to tell people. I think I told, um, the women that I work for, what was um, going on that I was pregnant and we were just getting so excited. Um, So I went and did the blood draw and they send it out and your doctor calls you and tells you, I think it was like 10 days later, they finally called me and told me that my blood draw didn't work and that they, there was like an issue with it. (laughs) So I was 11, yeah, I was 11 weeks then. Oh my gosh. And so I was like, okay, well I'll just go back and do it again. You know, they weren't going to bill me for it twice. So I was like, okay, I'll just, I'll go back and do that. And I went and did that. And then, um, I think it was like roughly a week later and I was 13, I was 13 weeks when I got this call. So typically I feel like kind of a rule of thumb, if it's just like everything's fine the nurse calls you and if there's an issue the doctor doctor calls you and that's really with anything in medicine I feel like yeah um like I've had you know other blood panels done and different health things and anyways the midwife called me and um we I was at work and um she said hey like do you have a minute do you want to go in private and I was kind of um just thinking okay I'm gonna find out what I'm having but I was like what is she going to say? Cause this, you can just tell, yeah, you know, when like, something's, something's wrong. Off. Um, so she says, well, we got your results back and she's like, I want to let you know, first off that this is a screening test. This does not, this, this is, is not, not a, a diagnosis. diagnosis. This is not mm-hmm. any confirmation of anything that's happening. Um, but you screened positive for trisomy 18. And I was like, what is that? Like, You're what like, is that? What does that, that? even Hold mean? Yeah. And she um, was awesome. And she read me kind of, she's like, this is literally me reading the document that I'm supposed to read to you. Mm-hmm. And she told me what it was. And she goes, it's a genetic abnormality. Trisomies are when um, a baby has a third copy of a chromosome. She's like, there's 
three types of trisomies. There's trisomy 12, trisomy 18, and trisomy 21. Trisomy 21 is Down syndrome, and like that's the one everybody, everybody knows. knows and the reason everyone knows about it is because we all know people with Down syndrome. You can live with Down syndrome, and you can live a pretty healthy long functional life life. obviously it's challenging and there's different levels of of the disability but we know people with down syndrome and she said trisomy 18 and trisomy 12 are different than down syndrome they are um absolutely life-limiting conditions um trisomy 18 is extremely rare and trisomy 12 is even more rare kind of beyond and she read me the list of what it means and kind of the birth defects and she said she's like most of these babies are do not make it to birth and the ones that do do not live long I just was kind of like um okay (laughs) like and she's like but this this is not a diagnosis this is just a screening and I said okay and she's like and at your age um it's only a 13% chance that you have it because these things increase as you get older um so in spite of screening positive, she still it was, it was still so only it was 83% a 83% chance I don't or 87% chance yeah. I didn't have it. The okay. baby didn't have it. Sorry, yeah. I say I had it because it felt like I had it. <laughs> but, <laughs> the baby yes. had it. Um, and so I'm like, okay. And I'm kind of like taking all this in and she's like, so um, a genetic counselor at IMC will reach out to you whenever we get these results back. You just get assigned somebody and they're going to walk you through all of your options and ways you can get a diagnosis and you can figure all of this out and she um the midwife is actually amazing she was like I um I just want to tell you when I was pregnant with my son who now is in his 20s and he's healthy and strong and amazing at his 20-week anatomy scan they thought that he had this condition and they were wrong and he's fine and he's healthy and that like I took a deep breath and I was like oh okay so this is a thing I was like like, this is this is a thing yeah Yeah. and then she goes well do you want to know what you're having and I was like yeah Yeah. and she said she's like you're having a girl and I was like oh of course like of course you're like I knew I knew it so I hang up the phone and I walk out and I love everybody I work with and they're like all excited they're like so what are you having and I'm like I'm having a girl, but I think something's wrong. Like, I, yeah, it was just kind of like, there was a lot I was so, sh- I was so shell-shocked. And then I was just kind of like sitting there for a minute and I was going to go back to work. And then I really started to like spiral yeah. and process. And I was like, okay, I need to actually go home. And Jordan was at work and I uh, had him come home. And um, we kind of talked about it. And then, of course, I start Googling because I'm like, I need to know more. I need to see what this looks like. Um, and trisomy um, 21 Down syndrome, obviously we all know kind of the common defects that people with Down syndrome get. Um, the defects that people with trisomy 18 get um, are really severe. I mean, cleft palates, club feet, um, heart defects, organs don't develop. I mean, it's you don't really see adults, you don't see adults with it, but the babies I did see, I was like, oh my gosh, these poor babies, and these poor moms, and I'm googling everything, and I'm reading everything, and statistic after statistic, I mean, I'm I'm reading numbers like, okay, so 90% of these babies don't make it to birth, the 10% that do only live two weeks, and after that, it just keeps like, decreasing. just decreasing, 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 and dealing with all of that in my head, um, but I'm really holding on to that 13% number. I'm like, 
she could be perfectly healthy and this could just be a little road bump and a fluke and everything could be fine um so I send a text to like family and friends and I'm like hey we found out we're having a girl but like we also found out that she screened positive for this really serious condition um and I just kind of said like please keep her in your thoughts and I started to get really really negative um and just kind of wanting to like protect myself a little bit and mm-hmm. um kind of getting to a bad place that day and then we thought like you know what like we're having a girl this is so exciting we should be excited and I just was like you know what let's like give her her name let's like give her some love and energy yeah. and like make the most of this um and someone's gonna call me tomorrow and everything will be fine so we kind of like turn it around I was like you know what I'm gonna give her a name and I'm gonna look at baby clothes online and I'll just like yeah. get excited yeah, and be happy great. um so we did that the next day a genetic counselor called us and um had a conversation with us obviously saying once again just numbers and statistics and mm-hmm. textbook paragraphs and just reading us all this stuff and I had already made up in, in my mind they um, they ask you, you don't have to get a diagnosis. You could wait till the 20-week anatomy scan to figure out what's wrong. But I, I was like, if I can get a diagnosis sooner, I I want to know. That. I want to know what I'm walking into. Like, yeah. I just, I want to know. I'm not going to live the next seven weeks um, waiting around, yeah, waiting around out. to find out. Mm-hmm. Um, so they talked to us and they said, so you're not far, far enough along for an amniocentesis, which um, I don't know if people know what that is have you talked you, about I that? haven't talked about okay. that here you can yeah talk so about an amniocentesis I think you can do after 20 weeks or I actually don't remember the exact week say, I'd have to look into like you could probably find out is. the exact because yeah. there's a, a marker for that and that basically they um are able to stick a needle into your tummy and they extract some of your amniotic fluid and they look at it and the baby's DNA is in there and they can look at the DNA and break it all apart and look at all of the chromosomes and see what's healthy. So I wasn't far enough along to do that. So what they do for people earlier on is, um, it's a, I'm just giving the abbreviation because it's a big and wordy. A big, long word. Yeah. <laughs> it's a CVS test, which um, stands for something crazy, like I said. And they said basically what we do is we take um, a needle and we weave it through your abdomen and we scrape your placenta. And I was like, okay, that sounds great. And then they followed that up with, um, it's a super high risk procedure for the baby. It's probably safe for you as a mom, but it's something that can actually damage the baby. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the other information that they gave me was it's really an uncommon procedure. And there's only two doctors in the entire state of Utah that are certified to do it. Wow. You're Um, like, wow, so my options are invasive, (laughs) but more like extra invasive. Yeah. (laughs) And then I thought to myself, I was like, well, there's only two doctors in the state that are allowed to do this. So they're probably pretty amazing. (laughs) And I was like, okay, well, I I think I I just want to do it. I just want to know. I want to know what's going on. I want to know if everything's going to be okay. I'm someone that um, I don't need control, but I want to know as much information as I can. For sure, yeah. And so I decided to do it. And they said, okay, great. We will um, get to work on scheduling that. It'll be hard to schedule, but we'll call you back. They called me back, I think, a few hours later. And they said, um, this doctor is available at like seven in the morning on this day and, um, he can do it at IMC. Um, and they gave me the doctor's name. I looked him up and he was the most impressive doctor I think I'd ever, um, 
like read about it. So you're <laughs> you know? like, okay, I feel really speaks good. How many languages? <laughs> and he's done what? Like, he's, and he was like ripped and handsome. And I was like, this like, is it's, it's this literally is out of a movie. This will be great. Um, so we um, go to do that, which I'll just add, we're so we live in Utah and we are so lucky to live here because yes. when I was at. Um, so I started having to have appointments at IMC and Murray because mm-hmm. that's where the high risk yeah, pregnancies, like yeah, fetal medicine there. Um, so I started having to have appointments there and that was my first experience there. And everyone I talked to there, I mean, people drive from other states to come have to these come. experiences mm-hmm. and to be able to get the level of medicine that I was able to get 15 minutes from my house. Yeah. And I know we're I, so fortunate. Yeah, I feel really lucky to be in a state that has amazing doctors and amazing medicine and that I didn't have to drive and get a hotel and stay somewhere overnight and that we have amazing NICUs and all of these options that I just think of, yeah, I think of of families that have to sacrifice so much um, for the mom's health and the baby's health, but Anyways, so I went in for the procedure, and I can tell you what that's like. It's not fun. <laughs> yeah, I honestly so, have never, like, I've never seen one. I've seen an amio, but I haven't this seen This is very this. different. Yeah, um, as I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, sounds... so I go in, and they can't give you any pain medications. They can't numb you. They can't do anything for it. No, and like, I was only anything. nothing. Oh, my So gosh. I was 14 weeks at this point. Um and I went in and they're like, we cannot do anything for you. You have to remain completely still while we do this. And he, he looks me square in the eye and he goes, this is going to be really painful. I was like, okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. And I'm like, actually, I'm tough. I can do this. I'm totally fine. Jordan like, was with you. He was with me. Okay. He was able to be there. Good. Um, which even he afterwards is like. I don't even know how you did that. that. Um, So I had to lay. um, They had two techs in there helping him with the procedure. They do it all by ultrasound. So they are watching the needle and everything on the ultrasound. So they did ultrasounds and scans of me um, for a good amount of time before they went in because he has to find out the exact Exact perfect location location to where he can get there without damaging the baby baby. Mm -hmm. or anything like that. Um, So he preps all of that. And he, like, cleans me up and, you know, sanitizes and everything. Um, and he pulls out this needle. And it is, like, so four thick. feet long. <laughs> it's, like, four feet long. It is so thick. Oh, my it's gosh. like, okay, great. And he goes, I'm going to go in there and we are going to scrape your placenta. You are going to experience the most intense body cramps you've ever experienced in your entire life. You're going to be in a lot of pain, which I appreciate. Yeah, like, thank you for setting realistic yes. expectations of what I'm about to go through. That's number one thing that I want. Like, I just need someone <laughs> yes. to tell me everything that's about to happen to me so that I can be... Mentally prepared. <laughs> two seconds prepared. <laughs> yes. Um. So, he just begins, and literally, Hannah, the needle, like, <laughs> it, this huge needle this and I'm like, going into my me. abdomen, and literally... Out of the peripheral, I'm staring at the ceiling, and I am literally holding my body as stiff as a board because I cannot move. Like, Something could move. go wrong, and the guilt, because I've opted into this. Yes, you're like, what if I And they've told anything? me about the tests that I can do that are not invasive. In a couple weeks, they'll but, be. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that are not invasive, but once again, are inconclusive. So I'm not yes, going to take, like, no, I need like the there's answer. a Fisher test. And I was like, <laughs> it's inconclusive. I'm not going to take like, an inconclusive. No. I'm not I'm paying for that. Test. That's a ripoff. <laughs> yes. Um, so I'm staring at the ceiling, and I literally see his arm, like, going up 
and down. And my entire body, I could feel my muscles like spasming. Mm. And then he gets to the placenta and oh yeah, he scraped. And anyways, and it was quick. It was like five minutes of brutal pain. And then it was done. (laughs) They finished and he was like, we just have to make sure we got enough of the placenta. I have to go back in. So he checks everything and he's like, okay, this, this looks good. Um, you'll go next he door, he's and like, he's out. I don't have a good sample. Um, if, <laughs> I would have been like, okay. Um. I would have been like, all right, get back in there. Just yeah, you would have. Okay. You're amazing. Um, and anyway, so he he, he has to like, okay, bye. Yeah, so he has to leave. I mean, he's a busy guy, so he leaves, and I go get some blood work done um, to, you know, just, I don't even know. So much blood, you know, yeah, pregnancy is just blood work. Yeah, labs about yeah, everything. everything. Yeah, um, so I have no fear of needles at this point in my life. Yeah, you're like, I can do anything. I can do anything. Um, so we do that and they say it'll probably take like two or three days before you find out. Um, so we kind of spend the next two or three days and I actually was feeling really good. I was feeling super empowered. I was feeling super in control. I was like, I'm going to have an answer. And I'd convinced myself that everything was fine. I was like, she's healthy. Like once again, nothing else bad can happen. Like yeah. this is... This scare is the max. Like, this is all I can do. Um, So they called me, and um, two days later, and the doctor, um, I don't think it was the same doctor. It was a different, there were so many doctors in my life at this point. Just talking to counselors and pamphlets. (laughs) It was just a lot. So they called me, and um, I knew, once again, you answer the phone, and you just, you just you know, know. Um, and they said, yeah, it's confirmed. The baby does have trisomy 18. Um, it's 100%. It's, yeah, we, like, we've looked at the DNA. They sent me the copies of the chromosomes photographed, and I could see that third little chromosome and everything. And I just, um, I just was like, okay. And they were like, do you have any questions? And I said, no. And they said, someone, a counselor will call you. Your counselor will call you in the next day to give you a list of all of your options and all your information. And um, that was kind of that phone call. And I was at work again, which was great. <laughs> You're like, Can I, I go home and time? I tell Jordan. And we are just, like, devastated and heartbroken. And I'm just sitting there and I'm like, I didn't even know that this existed. Mm-hmm. I had never – I knew that there were genetic abnormalities. But I just didn't know. And I had learned so much in those few weeks of the screening process and everything um, about trisomy and genetic defects. And it's just wild. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, I am like one in 5,000 right now. Mm -hmm. And I know that um, typically a baby that has a genetic abnormality, you miscarry in the first trimester before you would even know know something was wrong. wrong. So I'm the one in, I think it's, yeah, it's a crazy number. I think it's one in 5,000. Yeah, I think that's one in 5,000. Yeah. And I'm like, that made it to this point where we can confirm and we know, and this is what's happening. And, um, we're just, I was just so shocked, so devastated. Um, and just kind of took a day to just like feel all the feelings and emotions um, I was like 14 weeks along and I was just, start- it was like, I had just come out of the sickness and I was like starting to feel, feel the good. light. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, what does this mean? And that's when I really turned obviously back to the internet, which is not a great place. <laughs> and I turned towards 
um, Instagram and Facebook groups. And I never once was an active participant. I was just the person just like reading. reading and taking That's, everything in. And um, I started finding babies that were alive and um, reading women's stories about women that had delivered. And, you know, a lot of women, their baby is this, most women, it's obviously a stillborn. A lot of them, the baby lives for a few hours or maybe a day or maybe a week. And then um, I remember looking at the babies that live longer and looking at what the life of that family looked like. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm talking about families that sell their home and buy RVs to go live in a state that has the NICU and the resources and moms that are literally fighting as advocates for their babies, um, begging and convincing doctors to do interventions on babies. Because the reality is, and I've learned this very quickly just reading, um, it's a life-limiting diagnosis. This is a terminal, it's a terminal illness, basically. And doctors are not inclined to intervene. Yeah. And, and obviously... If the baby's alive, it can stay in a NICU and all of that. But convincing, finding doctors to do these surgeries, I think, is something that's the biggest battle that a lot of these families face. Like, yeah. you have this baby no, and nobody wants to care for it because it's probably not going to live anyways. And I was just taking in so much and reading so, so much um, and really understanding all of the um, scenarios. Right around then, I found out that... Um, Someone who I'd never met but our company works with had had a trisomy 18 baby boy a year earlier, and she had lost him at 27 weeks, and he was born, and he lived for an hour. And she is someone who I admire, and she's very – I've um, since met her, and we haven't really talked about it because it's just a lot to, you know, talk yeah, about. even, like, the camaraderie of just knowing yeah, each knowing, other and know you've, like – and she's someone who shares together. everything and mm -hmm. I mean to this day she's had it she's had a healthy baby since and mm -hmm. she shares photos of her baby and that she lost and he is very much part of her family and I mean she's really an advocate for loss and tries to me in the space and she's part of like really ingrained in that community and I just kind of like observe her from afar and I remember being told to look at her and I looked to her and just these beautiful experiences that she'd had and the heartbreak and um, got pointed in the direction of another um, woman I work with who um, a year earlier had birthed a stillborn um, baby girl with Down syndrome mm -hmm. and just kind of looking to people around me and trying to figure this out and I was like how did I, how did I never heard of this like how yeah. how did I not know no one in my life really knew that didn't know those other people yeah. about experiences like, that's like what this I'm literally sitting here thinking of is I myself have never interacted with someone who has had a baby with trisomy 18 or 12. Yeah. And, like, I work in healthcare in a in a place where people are birthing babies all the time. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, even in that situation. And then we kind of talked about this before we started, but, like, how every little experience kind of leads you to, like, a certain place in your life. And you're like, oh, I started this random job with this new place that, like, literally oh came gosh. out of nowhere. And I'm like... And, you and there's two, two people. people that had similar experiences. Like, I and have it's, the chills. I'm I know. Like, and, I'm, and I could get so sloppy that I started this specific job that I have now, and I love it so much, literally the week before my grandma died. It's like I got thrust into this. It's literally 30 women in a building. I got, like, thrust into this group of women 
um, with all sorts of experiences and all sorts of places of life. I mean, at any given time, it's where there's three people there that are pregnant or we've had in the past year, I mean, people with miscarriages and my experience and just so many things. Um, there's two women that work there that have adopted their kids and dealt with infertility. I mean, just, yeah, yeah, crazy to get, yeah, definitely a full circle moment. Um, so yeah. I just really consumed myself with everything that I could. The next day, a genetic counselor calls you and they tell you again lots of numbers and facts and statistics. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. I've Googled that all I know. Like, I'm just like, like, at this point, I'm probably just as much of an expert as them. And of course, they ask you, well, they tell you, obviously, um, this is a life limiting diagnosis and you have the option to end your pregnancy. And they say, the sooner you do this, the safer it is. If you choose to do it, the su- you should do it as soon as possible because it becomes more dangerous for you the later on in your pregnancy. I mean, a late-term abortion is a dangerous thing yeah. every it week. It a lot more medical intervention yes. to, you know, to terminate a pregnancy of a fetus that has grown to a certain point mm-hmm. versus one that is still in like the early stages of development, for sure. Yeah. And so um, they give you that option and they say, like, obviously you have as much time as you need to make whatever decisions you need to make. But we want you to know that it's our job to give you all of your options. Mm -hmm. And um, this is something that I um, might a lot of people are probably going to disagree with, but I had to make a choice. Um, When I was on all those Facebook groups and Instagram groups of women that had similar experiences, Every single one of them had chosen to carry to term, which is amazing. And I ended up making that decision. Um, But every single one of them said things like, when the doctor told me that I had the option to end my pregnancy, I was disgusted. And how dare they? And um, I just felt like there was no space for the women that choose to end their pregnancies. And in my research, I had found that I think about half of people that get these life-limiting diagnoses choose to abort their baby. Yes. And I was like, where are those people? Obviously, choosing to carry to term, you have more of an emotional connection to your baby, and I think you're choosing to allow yourself to have that. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure women that choose to end their pregnancies um, still have those emotional connections, and I think I would have to my baby. And this would have been a different experience, but but I don't think it would discount you knowing your baby. I'm like, women should feel empowered in any choice that they make about their body, no matter what it is. And the reality is, um, we live in a very Christian state and in a country that's based on Christian beliefs. And I agree. I think that there, the moment there is a heartbeat that that is a baby. And I feel that way. And I totally agree with all of that. And I'm somebody who would love to see every baby born, but in my position, it makes me devastated to think that at some point the choice could have could be taken away because mm-hmm. choosing to carry to term for someone with a life limiting diagnosis, you're signing yourself up for a lot. You're signing yourself up for if that baby is born, you don't even know how many months of expenses and time in the NICU and complications. And it's actually dangerous to carry that baby yeah um it's not safe and I was like where are 
the people that struggled with this decision because I found myself really struggling. I didn't know the right decision to make. Every I had I had two instincts. Instinct number one, and this is the instinct I went with, was this is her life. This isn't my life. And my only gut feeling was not to try and control it. And I knew that me deciding to end the pregnancy was me taking back control, which I think would have been fine. And I truly feel like if I would have chosen that, I I would have been empowered in my decision. In decision, absolutely. And, um, but my real, my gut instinct was, I am just not going to control this because nothing in my life is apparently in my control (laughs) and like this is her and I'm just gonna let her play this out whatever way she wants to play it out and um my main thought was at this point when she comes however she comes like hopefully I would be able to get to spend time with her and hold her um and just let her be in control of her of her life and that's what I went with but I it was a tough decision for me, and I just, I think we can all have more compassion for people that make those hard decisions, because I don't feel like there was an easy decision for me to make. It would not have been easy for me to end the pregnancy, and it was probably a hell of a lot harder to, like, choose yeah, to carry to term. To carry. Um, so I just, yeah, I just wanted to say that I think um, every woman should have every bit of choice throughout every experience that she has and um i hope that we could as as people just give more compassion to people that make decisions whether or not you agree with them because there's no right or wrong and um and i think you even like being here and saying this olivia is like already empowering someone that like doesn't know that they're going to be in your same or similar situation in five years and like maybe hears this and yeah. like knows when they're like given that ultimatum of hey here's your prognosis and here are your options like when they are feeling like what do i do they can yeah. know it's okay and that they can be empowered and supported and loved in whatever decision they feel is for them yeah and like that is beautiful and that is what like this life is about is just like being there for the other people who you don't have to love you don't have to agree with you don't even have to understand Mm -hmm. like their rationale but to know that like there's a safe place where they can be just empowered in their decision yeah and like move forward because like they're gonna have to deal like i i have never been in a situation personally like you have been in but like all i feel for you in hearing your story is like love and just admiration for like your strength and your grace and the way you move through this like seeing you on the other side of it and seeing the human you are and just being like Mm, i'm in awe of like who you are (laughs) it's amazing like i'm so like i'm i'm like speechless because i'm just amazed no thank you it's everything um it's yeah i think um it's i talked about this with um my friend who lost her um baby girl that had down syndrome and i was able to have a real conversation with her yeah and to discuss all of the things that no one's discussing on a support group on facebook apparently <laughs> like <laughs> wow. that are like who would have thought i'm so sorry this isn't 
this perfect thing and I'm not this perfect person going through this experience. Like I had really negative thoughts. I mean, I made the decision to carry to term and I think it was a decision I felt great about because I, I re- released control and I just said, this is what I'm doing. And mm-hmm. um, to be honest, I think in a lot of ways, my husband at that point, he's amazing. Um, but I think he disconnected from this baby, right? Like mm-hmm. I think he never pushed me in one way or the other. And he said, I would love to be able to like see and meet and hold the baby. And, but he gave me space to make whatever decision I wanted to. And I appreciated that so much. And I think in his mind, for sure, he thought it'd be easier. Like he was signing up for a lot too. And I just think there's no, um, there's no judgment. And then even when I made my decision, there was constant moments where I was, I was in so much fear. I'm like, this baby comes what am I going to do and then you get I guess I should just say like so you make your decision and I made mine (laughs) and um I felt really good about my decision but I never want to forget that I had to make a decision and that I made a choice for myself and that there's nothing wrong with any choice that a woman makes because if a woman is able to make either choice they're both hard choices it's the right choice for her Mm -hmm. like if you're able to do either one it's what you can do is amazing and you should be empowered um so the genetic counselors um give you all sorts of resources and they start telling you like okay so here's what comes next you can come and you can keep seeing um doing all of your appointments at maternal fetal medicine at imc you can keep seeing your midwife in addition to that and i said i was like you know what i'm just gonna do the appointments i have to do at imc and I want to still deliver with my midwife if I can. Yeah. And I want to keep going there because maternal, maternal fetal medicine, that it's amazing. But it's just a different experience. Absolutely. And I just wanted um, a little bit of normalcy and a little bit of a comfortable space for me. Um, so I chose to keep seeing my midwife. And they also tell you, so um, obviously you're going to have options and um, lots of decisions to make because you're not done making decisions. And they tell you, you know, if you deliver at um, primary children's, that's probably what you would want to do if you want to do interventions and you want the baby to to go to the the NICU NICU and to be able to have surgeries and all those sorts of things. And I thought about all of that and I kind of said, well, yeah, I'd be interested in touring and kind of seeing how I feel about that. My sister-in-law is a NICU nurse at primaries. Oh, no way. Yeah. That's amazing. And she's amazing. And I said, I'd love to tour. um, But I just, I was like, I need a minute to really think about this and I'm not going to make any decisions. So I kind of thought about what I would want to do and what was going to feel best for me and Jordan and what kind of delivery I wanted to have and kind of looking at other women's experiences and um I talked to my sister-in-law and I asked her because she takes care of sick babies and she knows what this looks like and I said so have you cared for a baby that has this condition and she goes yeah we have one right now and she's like we've had them before and I was like what do you think and I just looked at her and she goes it's really hard and she just said, this isn't, um, these babies don't make it. And that's, that was a moment for me where I just was like, yeah, I know. And it just hit me. And 
hearing her experiences of women in the NICU and how challenging that is, um, I just kind of sat with all that information and what I realigned with was I'm giving up all control and I'm letting this baby live her life and do whatever she wants to do. And um, I ended up deciding that I would deliver with my midwife um, at the hospital by my house that I wanted to deliver at and that I was not going to do any interventions. I decided that if my baby was going to be born alive, that I would just spend whatever time I got with her, with her, Um, because I knew that if I wanted to intervene, if she was born alive and there was an option for interventions, that she would be taken away from me and immediately hooked up and strapped in. And um, I was just like, you know what, if she's born, like, I'll just hold her and I'll take care of her and she can go when she's ready to go. Um, And that was kind of my game plan and my decision that I made. Um, And I felt really good about it. And I think giving up all control and literally handing this off to her was the thing that felt the best for me. Um, So yeah, I made that decision. And um, so yeah, that was all right around 14 weeks. And the next few weeks were really, really hard. I feel like the first two weeks I woke up um, so depressed. Like I been through a lot in my life, but I had never experienced depression or anxiety or anything like that. And I woke up and I just remember thinking like, I am so sad. Like I cannot mm. shake this. Um, but pretty quickly I realized I was like, well, this might be like the only time I get to experience her. And this pregnancy is my time with her. And I just decided, I was like, I'm not going to let this get me too far down. And I tried to live as normal the life as I could. Like I worked and I went about my day and I felt so lucky because everyone around me knew the situation. And it's funny, I feel like it had nothing to do with me, but I feel like this baby and just had, there was an energy about life at that time that was like really special. Mm. Um, And I truly felt like she created a lot of really meaningful relationships for me and a lot of really amazing connections and conversations and the people around me. Um, it sounds funny. I think everybody obviously loves, like I have friends that are pregnant and I love those babies in their bellies. And like, I just am so excited for them, but I just, I felt like I was like, everyone just knew that this was the time that I'm getting with her. And I was able to have this amazing time with her and make the most of it. Um, And the weeks went on and I started to feel better. I started to feel lighter. I was feeling positive. I was showing. I was like, this is just what I'm doing. And I've made my decision. But like in the same moment where I was feeling good and happy and motivated, I was also having really like hard negative thoughts. Like I would think maybe it's easier if I miscarry. And oh my gosh, like do I really want to like birth this baby and deal with this do I really want to do all of this and thinking in my head okay well like if if she comes she's definitely she'll probably come before 32 weeks like that's kind of how it goes no matter what Mm -hmm. with this condition Mm -hmm. and I'm like that's actually pretty soon I was like like, what is going on and I was like do I get like preemie cloaks like what am I doing here but then at the same time I was like no I don't think I need to buy anything like I just kind of knew in my head I was like I don't think I'm gonna meet her I just yeah. I obviously had to play out all the scenarios in my head but I just I don't think I'm gonna meet her um anyways um so yeah I was feeling pretty good um and then right at 19 weeks I started feeling like really sharp pains in my stomach 
Um, I had had a scan a week earlier and heartbeat was healthy. Everything was fine. And I was at 19 weeks and I was having these sharp pains. Um, and I had never experienced anything like them before, but I kind of thought maybe they're like a muscle thing or something. Yeah, Cause like, like I'm like, I don't, pain. yeah, like I don't know what's going on. You weird pains you don't even know when yes. you're newly pregnant. Um, so I was experiencing some pains and I knew that my 20 week scan was coming up, which was kind of, it's a big deal always, but it's a really big deal when you have a baby with a genetic, um, mm-hmm. disorder because you're going to find out just how severe everything is yeah, and you're going to, mm-hmm. you're going to know the likelihood of everything and you're going to see everything. Um, you'll see the heart, you'll see all the defects, you'll see the cleft palate, the club feet, you'll see everything and kind of like know what you're working with <laughs> like what's yeah, what's yeah, happening um, so I knew that was coming up I just had a, a um an ultrasound before because I was getting pretty frequent ultrasounds at that point mm-hmm. um and I started having these pains over the weekend and they were really sharp and I didn't really think much of them but I felt like something was maybe wrong but I knew that scan was coming up and I just I had a lot going on um, anyways, I got home from work that day and I mean, like when you start your period, you know what that feels like compared to other things yeah. that you experience. Yeah. I just knew I was like, okay, I'm bleeding. I was like, yeah. So I went to the bathroom and yeah, I was bleeding. I called my husband and I just remember being like stunned and like shocked. But at the same time I was like, this makes sense. Like this, mm-hmm. this is how I knew this was going to happen. Yeah. This is, I'm miscarrying and this is what I knew this is how it was supposed to end. Like, this is how this ends. You're like, I've been mentally prepping myself. Like, yeah. Like, here. And I wasn't, like, emotional. It was very, like, a matter of fact and weird. And I just called my husband. He came home. And we went to the ER. And I was sitting there. And they, you know, they give you, like, a little diaper. And they're like, <laughs> you're like oh, this is so cute. Yeah, I feel cute. <laughs> and I'm in there. And they're like, okay, so we need, obviously, to do an ultrasound. And um the er doctor was so sweet and amazing and she came in and she's like okay so i've read everything and she's like i'm so sorry she's like you have been through so much and she was so amazing and she was like if you need to whatever emotions you need to feel you can feel right now and she's like we have to do an ultrasound to figure out what exactly is going on Mm -hmm. but it's safe to assume that you've lost the baby you're bleeding pretty heavily and i was just sitting there stunned and i remember feeling like i was it was very out of body. Like I was thinking about random things I needed to get done and just kind of like, just kind of dissociated, totally dissociated from what was happening. And I do the ultrasound and, um, they don't, you don't see anything or they don't say anything while you're doing that. Cause it's just a tech. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like 40 minutes later, the doctor came back in and said, okay, so yeah, you've lost the baby. Um, and I was like, okay. And then I'm like, wait, what happens now? <laughs> I had come to terms with, um, at a later point, having to deliver the baby and Mm -hmm. what that might look like. And I, you know, thought like, oh, well, maybe I would just do like a C-section because that's pretty easy and I could do that or whatever I had decided. But I was like, I'm only 19 weeks. Like, what does it look like to lose a baby at 19 weeks? I don't. You're like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what that looks like. And um, she said, so we have to transfer you to labor and, labor and delivery. And I was like, wait, what? Like, I was like, I don't just get to do this here. Yeah. Like, I have to go. And um, she's like, yeah, so they're just going to get um, everything ready for you up there. And they'll transfer you up there. Um, and 
yeah so i i just kind of was obviously in the er for a million hours just like waiting and um they um came and got a wheelchair and (laughs) wheeled me over and i got to my room and this sweet it was like at this point like 8 p.m so i think the nurse that i was with for the night had just come Come on And she came in and met me in the room, and she gave me a gown, and she just said, hey, so, like, just get dressed in this, and then I will come in and tell you everything that's happening. Um, my husband was with me, obviously, and I was just sitting there, and I was like, I don't know what happens. Like, I had prepared for every scenario, but for some reason I hadn't prepared for, what does this look like? Like, this could be nothing. Like, it could be a pretty minimal process, or it could be a bigger thing. Um yeah. So she comes back in and she says, so there's a doctor that's on call between two hospitals tonight, so we'll wait for him to get here. But she was like, are you cramping or anything like that? And I was like, no, just bleeding, not cramping. And she's like, okay, so um, we're waiting for the doctor, but likely what's going to happen is we are going to pretty much like induce you and start labor. Mm-hmm. I was like, wait, what? Like, just, like, oh, wait, I'm what? I'm like actually birthing a baby? Yeah. Like, this is crazy. And it just really started to hit me. I was like, wait, what? What am I? What? Like, just stunned. Um, And she's like, so um, I'm going to call the doctor. And he gave her the go-ahead to give me medication. Um, They put pills inside of you. Yeah, so they 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 slide it up into, like, your vagina to help your cervix start dilating. Yeah. So started that... um, process probably around like 9 or 10 p.m um and she just kind of said this could take a few hours this could take a day this could we just don't really don't know know how long it's gonna take Mm -hmm. it's like okay (laughs) like sounds good so I'm just kind of in this bed and um my husband was really I think scared and not knowing what was happening and I just remember like seeing what he was doing and he was like I could just tell mentally, like, in his own whatever planet mm-hmm. he was on. And I was like, okay, like, this is kind of – I'm a little bit like, on my own here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, so he's kind of, like, watching TV. I can't focus. I was, like, on my phone. I, like, didn't know what to do. Yeah. Um, he kind of falls asleep. And around, like, 11 p.m., I started really, like, cramping. And maybe it was earlier than that, but I, I don't know. I started really cramping and – feeling it and um the doctor finally showed up and he looked at me and um he was not my favorite person in the world Mm. which is fine um my nurse was coming in and checking on me um and administering medication to me and he was going back and forth so he he really wasn't even there very much much. no Mm -hmm. I yeah um and my nurse offered me pain medication, and she was like, you know, we can give you IV pain meds. She was like, and then if you really need it, you can get an epidural. And I'm just hearing all these words, and I'm like, I'm not actually having a baby, though. This is crazy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it was just so different. And I just said, you know what? Like, if this is what the cramping's like for now, I think I'm fine. Like, I I can. Like, this okay. is fine. Mm-hmm. Um, so the night went on, and she was giving me more and more medication. I was dilating, and... Um, she was she was great and I think she could tell that I was kind of in a shell shock state she wasn't asking you know questions or trying to be chatty she was just taking care of me and being amazing um anyways turn the lights off I'm like you know I think I'm gonna try and get some sleep and I really just started cramping and I think that's when I started to really feel 
um, feel what was happening. happening. I was feeling less numb, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, around midnight, she came in and she was like, do you want... And I could not sleep. I could not do anything. I was in a lot of pain. But part of me was like, no, I want to feel this. Like, I, I just was weird. Um, and finally, she's like, are you sure you don't want some IV pain meds? And I finally agreed. And she gave them to me. And um, it was great. I thought I, it was like... Not even great in the sense where I was like, I wasn't feeling pain. I just, it was like mental and emotional relief when it hit. Do you know what I mean? I was just like, I want to feel nothing. I'm like, oh, this is how people get addicted to this stuff. Like when you are low and in a rock bottom place and that, I mean, literally, I think it was fentanyl. Yeah, it probably was. (laughs) Hit my system. I was like, oh my gosh, like this is that like warm cloud feeling where I just wanted to dissociate. I didn't even want to be in my body. I didn't even want to be in the room. I wanted to feel nothing. I wanted to think nothing. Like, I just, it was just so crazy. So she um, keeps coming in and checking on me. And I just, I was, like, freezing cold. And just, it was, my husband was just asleep. And I just could not figure out the mental state that was right for me. Um, so then around, like, 1.45-ish, um, she comes in and... She's checking on me again, and she offers me more pain medication, and I'm, like, you know, say, about to say yes. And then I, like, stop, and I look at her, and I'm like, so what's really going to happen? Like, what – am I going to push? Like, I, I don't know. And she was like – honestly, she's like, your baby, you're 19 weeks. Like, your baby's probably small enough that, like, you're just going to feel – and she was sitting there, and she was so sweet. Um, she's like, you're probably just going to feel like a big gush, and that'll be it. And right as I was talking to her – it's like okay I think it just happened and I remember I was just like sitting there and I'm like shaking Mm -hmm. and she goes and she said she's like oh yeah and I was like okay and I couldn't see anything like baby had just like fallen out of me Mm -hmm. (laughs) like it sounds I know it sounds but like that's 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 what happens yeah so baby slips right out of me I can't see anything and I'm shaking and I just like say to Jordan like Jordan can you can you wake up and he looks at me and he is what like terrified and he can't see anything and he's I'm like uh I don't know and she my oh my gosh my nurse I could cry she was the most amazing human um she comes over and she goes oh my gosh she's really tiny and I was like well what do you mean she's like she's behind in her growth like she's really tiny and I was like okay okay sweet nurse comes over with this tiny little blanket and like all these tiny little things and scoops her up and she says she to Jordan she's like do you want to cut the cord and he's like uh like like I'm like it was just like the weirdest moment of my life and I can't see anything and she puts little baby in a blanket and this tiny gummy little red baby um is handed to me and she looks at me and she goes I she's like the doctor will probably have more to say about this but she's like the baby definitely hasn't been growing well for weeks and she's like you're a few weeks behind in growth so it was more like a 14 or 15 week fetus so she's like it was definitely tinier than I was expecting and she hands the baby to me and I did not know what to expect I didn't know what I would be looking at and it sounds so crazy but these babies she had every fingernail. She had every toe. Like, every... She was a full-blown little human. Full-blown little human. And I remember looking at her, and I was like, oh, my gosh, she has, like, really strong, like, long legs. Like, this time, yeah. literally, it's not coming out of my face. I'm crying so hard. 
he has like this perfect little body and i was looking at her and jordan's sitting over there still terrified he's ter- terrified like, i'm like do you want to look at her and he was like i don't know do i <laughs> i was like i was at that point i was mad at him yes, and like it was like, just a whole thing and i was like will. okay it's fine <laughs> um so she it's just tiny and the nurse comes over and she's like do you mind if i take her for a second i want to like weigh her and like yeah. weighs her she was an ounce she was just tiny oh my gosh like how is this even real like what and I hold her for a few minutes and Jordan looks at her and I took like some little pictures because I was like is this what I'm supposed to do like I don't I'm just stunned I don't know she takes her um she brings in they have I mean hospitals are so amazing I mean they have beds that refrigerate it sounds terrible but But, stillborns and they have clothes for premature babies of any size Mm -hmm. and everything was still huge on her which was just funny they probably drowned her but yeah but like like, this hat like it kind of it was just tiny and like put little things on her we held her for a little bit and um she the nurse was like i mean it was just think about that nurse being in the room and just what she might have been feeling um so we kind of held her for a little bit and not very long because honestly like she was so red and so gummy and I could tell she was like already deteriorating um so she's like do you what do you want to do and I was like you can take her like I she's like okay we're gonna go put her in in the fridge (laughs) like that's what they do and um so they took her and um I just kind of like was up for a couple hours and my husband I think he was really numb and he kind of like laid back down and I think he fell asleep pretty quickly and um he was awake for a while and then at a certain point the doctor came back and um obviously like my placenta hadn't been delivered or anything like that and the nurse for the hour before the doctor got there like every 10 minutes would come in and push on my stomach and try to get it to come out and it was not coming out and she was like you know we're gonna try and get it out to avoid a dnc hopefully we can avoid that for you once again like I just had no idea what to expect I had no idea what was going on it was just truly nobody could have prepared Prepared me for this Mm -hmm. um obviously there are women that have experienced this before but I hadn't talked to anyone about it what it's like to lose a baby at about five months like I just had no idea um so she'd been trying to get the placenta out the doctor comes in he looks at me and literally starts jumping on my stomach i it was like you're like the nurse was it was just like (laughs) so painful so and he's like we and i get it because i did not want to have to have surgery i did not want to have to have a dnc and the cord was so tiny that they're like we can't pull on this it would snap so he was pushing really hard and my sweet nurse was there and you could just tell in her eyes she was just like holding it together eventually it came out which was great I didn't have to do a DNC and um at that point they're like obviously you're gonna stay at least the next you know until you we want to monitor your bleeding and make sure that everything kind of goes okay so they clean me up and Mm -hmm. um I'm just kind of hanging out for a couple hours and I finally fall asleep and um at like seven in the morning my or i think around five my husband left he was like i'm gonna go home and like check on the dogs because we left our dogs the night before yeah and i was like actually that's great like you should go and go get out of and, here and yeah. like take a minute because um it had been a rough night and so he leaves and i'm alone and i finally fall asleep and i wake up at like seven ish and it was my nurse coming in to say goodbye to me and i woke up and i hadn't shed a tear this entire time mm-hmm. 
and I saw her and she said she was leaving and I just like lost it and she just like held me and she was just crying and she was like I'm so sorry she was like this is so hard and she handed me off to a new nurse and she said she's like this is um I don't remember the other nurse's name but um anyways and this is she's never had a loss before um and so I was given a new nurse and um my nurse left and I just love that nurse so much she was perfect and an angel and I don't think I could have done it without her she was like my silent support through everything and I just it, it hit me um that labor and delivery nurses do so much more than to deliver healthy babies they have to be prepared for any scenario and to show compassion and empathy and hold it together and be the strong person in the room when I'm sure um, that it is so hard. And I know um, I said this to Anna, but the nurse that I had, I um, that I had my coworker who lost her um, Down syndrome baby girl had the exact same nurse. And my coworker had shared with me that after the fact, my coworker had a C-section, so she was in the hospital for a few days. And a couple of days in, the nurse said to her, she's like, you have to know, like, I was holding it together, but I just went outside and I was just a mess. A mess. And anyways, I just think um, doctors are great, midwives are great, but I do not think that nurses, especially labor and delivery nurses, get enough credit because they really are the ones that progress you along and make sure that everything is okay and they're just there for you in the most amazing way. Um... So anyways, lost it when she left, and uh, my new nurse took over, and they asked me if, um, well, they kind of said, I think it was, they just said, someone from, a woman from Share Parents, Utah, you probably know what this is, is going to be coming by if you're okay with that, and um, what that is, is it's like a group of women that have lost babies, whether it's been a miscarriage or a stillborn or an infant that dies, really anything. Um, and they show up for these types of situations and they come and they do um, little things to help you remember your baby and experience that and talk to you about it and basically just share their experiences with you. So my husband came back, and he came back a different person. Like, he came back, and I was like, oh, you're here now. Like, you you showed up. (laughs) You're back in your skin. Like, because for him, a terrifying out-of-body experience. Totally. How would he ever know how? I know. Especially because, I mean, nothing to Jordan, but you said earlier that you felt that, like, in some ways he kind of dissociated from the pregnancy once. And he did. You know? And so, like, for him to even, like, then have to – you know, cope with like, wow, the baby, like the baby's here. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, with you yourself went through that, but like, for someone who wasn't pregnant or experiencing it, like, it's just a And I think in his mind, he said like, when we see this baby, it'll probably be farther along, and it wouldn't yeah. be. I mean, what we, the version of a baby we saw was just not a version of babies people typically see. see. Yeah. Um. So there was just a lot of shock. Anyways, he came back and I could just tell he was in a much better place. And um, I started to feel better a little bit, like just kind of get back into my um, 
itself. So the volunteer from Share Parents came, and that was amazing. It is an amazing organization. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel guilty that I'm not like <laughs> out there oh being one of them, because <laughs> but I I couldn't. I no, feel like they are, um, they are special people. Yeah, but they this do so much. Woman was amazing. She was older. She had lost. I think um, she'd had a stillborn and then lost another baby. So she'd experienced mm-hmm. a lot of grief and loss. And she came in and. I feel like she was a mind reader. Like she just came in and she knew what to just say. What and to even do. she walked in and one of the first things she said is she was like, you need to know right now that both of you are experiencing completely different things and that you're not going to be on the same page and you're probably not going to be on the same page ever when it comes to mm-hmm. this. Like you're going to be in completely different places. Yeah. And she was so attentive to my husband and just making sure that he knew that there were resources for him and that his grief and his experience were important. And even if he wasn't grieving in that moment or whatever he was feeling, that there was space for it. And she just said, um, like my husband and I were not on the same page for a long time. And that is perfectly normal. And that's something that I think even with healthy babies, I think women experience. For sure. And it's just a good reminder that, um, yeah, everyone processes differently. Totally normal. That's normal and appropriate. Like, Everybody yeah. goes through their thing in their own way, and that's great. I'm so like I feel so lucky for you that somebody said that to you yeah. because I feel like that can be very crippling for and a couple. Damage like, relationships yeah, yeah. in a really big way. Um, so yeah, um, she came and she's like, "Well, there's like stuff we can do," and they give you little things. Um, they take handprints, which mm-hmm. like this is the tiniest little creature mm-hmm. I've ever seen in my life, but yeah. sure. And she's like, we're going to make molds, and you'll have little memories. And I was like, I don't even know how those are going to turn out. Um, So she basically put together all of these little keepsakes, and she was like, I'll make these molds, and I'll bring them to you in like a week or whatever. And we spent – she was probably there about an hour Mm -hmm. talking with us and forcing us to do things like take pictures (laughs) and forcing us to do things that I did not want to do. Yeah. that now I'm so grateful that I did. And she was like, if you don't want them, you don't have to look at them. She's like, but I just want you to like have all of these things in case you want them. And looking back on them, I'm so happy that I have them. Um, just to remember the entire experience altogether, to remember the baby, to remember how I was feeling, just all of it. Um, so she did that. And like a couple hours later, I mean, I was, my bleeding was totally under control and I was just, I was ready to go home um they ask you what you'd like to do with the baby Mm -hmm. (laughs) like oh great another fun decision I get to make you're like amazing thank you and I and I had decided um and this was something Jordan and I were not on the same page on he was like like I I don't I don't know what I want to do and I was like no I think we should bury her like I this is gonna sound so dark but I'm like literally I've planned a couple funerals the past few months I was like be yeah. super easy and we can just like lay her like right on top of my mom and my grandma and she can just be there and have her own little marker and um I just said I just want like a physical place on earth where like she was and a remembrance of this entire experience um so I asked for that and like once again so dark but I was just like they're like oh do you know like is there like a uh, home you want to use with. I was like yeah I do I have a guy like, I was You're literally like, at a point don't worry, I was like literally <laughs> gave the cell number and I was just like this poor man is gonna get a call and be like this who is this girl and like why does she and have, why does so, she have much so many people in her life dying like what is going on so anyways we leave um 
they give you a prescription for this, like pain meds and I go home and just kind of like rest for a day I think I like took a few days at home and obviously like my friends were so amazing and they came and rallied around me um this is crazy three days later my best friend had a baby oh um gosh, so I, I turned know. around and went and met um my best friend's baby and that was an amazing experience um it was so crazy to have held this sick tiny baby and then hold a baby that was born at almost 42 weeks that was like fully baked fully ready fully baked big hairy all the things and I was just like I was sitting there and I'm with all my friends and I'm like I don't think anyone in this room really understands what a miracle this is and how amazing it was and I just I think with um infertility and all of these things like I have just come to the place where I can see how people get upset and they have their feelings hurt and it's easy to feel like why isn't this happening for me and why are good things happening to other people but what I realized is like I can be sad for myself and happy for someone else at the exact same time like there's no reason why I can't do that and if good things are happening to other people um good things can happen to me and to be completely honest my friend that had this baby um had a her situation is really tough and her situation with the baby's father is really tough and um I feel so lucky to have had my husband and the support system that I had and there's just no comparing everyone's experience is so different Mm -hmm. and I saw my friend you know she got pregnant out of she wasn't married she wasn't trying to get pregnant it was a surprise for her and i we didn't find out she was pregnant till she was five months pregnant. She was so oh scared to tell all of us. Yeah. Um, so it was, I had just seen her um, struggle and yeah, go through her own. Yeah. So I just, it was, yeah. Anyways, so I just had that experience, which was amazing to meet him and to feel all of that. Um, and yeah I mean I recovered and I went back to work and um recovery was interesting because I definitely didn't feel like myself for a long time um Mm -hmm. I'll say this like day after I got home from the hospital I like took off my bra and it was wet and I was like holy shit yeah you're (laughs) like I'm like wait I have booby milk I'm like my milk came in I was like I was 19 weeks I was like this is a cruel joke like what is going on here so then I'm like well I just can't touch them and it'll go away it wasn't like intense or like yeah no but you were like I was like this what and they had said to me at the hospital they were like your milk won't come in probably like it yeah, won't come in and I was like was of so... course it did <laughs> like everything is just like happen. one more thing it's like one more thing um but like recovery was fine I was sore and I started to feel better but I definitely felt like for the months afterwards it was like hormonally mm-hmm. issues and all sorts of stuff and I was yeah. like it's just so crazy my body was ready for a baby, a baby and it's just amazing that a woman's body knows what to do even when a baby comes that early it is unhealthy and everything else your body just knows what it like wants and is ready to go ready. Mm-hmm. um so there was that but yeah I went um yeah got back to life and just really reflected on my entire experience and the highs and the lows of it and it was it was a lot it was it's crazy. I loved being pregnant, mm-hmm. but it was also horrible. <laughs> it's yeah. like, it's so funny. Like, I love the experience of being pregnant, but I think about 
pregnancy and I have no, I just have a lot of fear around it and a lot of trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was as crazy as it sounds. I wouldn't change a thing. I wouldn't do anything differently. Um, I don't know. It's just, it was such a whirlwind. And like I said, there was a lot of beautiful moments and like spiritual moments. And I learned it was kind of like seeing myself under a microscope for five months. Like I saw all of the best parts of myself magnified and all of the worst parts of myself magnified because every negative thought you have, you feel like the baby is aware of it and can absorb it. And so you're hyper aware of Mm -hmm. Of everything everything that goes through your brain and everything you're Mm -hmm. feeling. Um, And I feel like I learned so much about myself, which was a really interesting and amazing experience to see myself. Um, I felt so much appreciation for women and women's bodies and what we're capable of. Um, but it was weird. I was like, okay, so I'm just back to square one. Like, yeah. I'm, what do I do All next? All of a sudden, life is back to... Yeah, life okay. was just back to normal. And um, I'm someone that definitely, like, thinks about my experience a lot and thinks about this baby a lot. But I'm not someone that wants this to be my entire identity. Like, I think about it, and I'm like, okay, so if I have this baby that um, isn't with me, I'm kind of, I. it sounds crazy, but I'm kind of, like, parenting a baby from heaven. Like, this isn't a baby I get in my real life, but, like, yeah. this is a baby that's a part of my life and a part of my story, and how do I want to parent? Mm-hmm. And, like, part of me being a parent, so I'm like, I don't want to see this baby see me be sad or, like, knocked down or defeated by anything. Like, I'm just going to be happy and live my life and not feel guilt Um, I remember talking to my friend who lost her baby and she was saying she was like I remember we were on vacation a couple a couple months later and she was like we were having fun and I was like I want you to know like we're (laughs) talking to the baby she's like I want you to know we're having fun but like I'm still sad we're like we didn't forget you we still love you yeah so there's like that whole dynamic to it too (laughs) so there's that um but yeah that's I think is like it's such a beautiful and healthy way to kind of keep her here yes. all the time without letting it, you know, like, like you said, it's defined you because you went through something that like the majority of women will not go through. Mm-hmm. And it's something that showed you like your deepest lows and like some really high highs. Yeah. And that is like not to just be like shoved under the rug. No. Like, just because this baby is not here on this earth for people to see, it doesn't discount what you went through to, like, get her here. Mm-hmm. And her little soul will, like, be with you. And yep. no, and you know what I mean? Like, everything that you go through in the next, whatever, 40 more years we get of our life. 40? How old are yeah. we? I hope you live longer than 60. I think we get, I think we get like, <laughs> like, at least another 70 75, years. maybe. <laughs> Literally. But, like, the next however long we're here yeah. on earth, like... She's going to be there with you. Totally. You know, and, and if I'd... you have children in the future, like, it's my own personal belief that, like, the little souls that aren't here on Earth yet, like, they know each other. And I think, like, Absolutely. she's got siblings up there maybe that are ready to come hang totally. whenever you're ready, you know? And, like, and our thought always was, like, this is just the beginning of our family. And, yeah. like, she is just our first. And 
I mean, it's funny having lost my grandma and my mom. My grandma was like obsessed with the thought of me having babies her entire life. She died in ninety three, like long life. Okay. And I'm like, this is just her being greedy. Yeah. Like this she's is like Come she's on, like <laughs> she's like I just I wasn't ready. Like I yeah. just got here. I was yeah. just spending time with these little she's grandchildren. Like, I've always wanted. <laughs> and anyways, and I know that it's not real, but um, like that thought isn't real. Yes. But yeah. Anyways, yeah, I just. I, I walked out of the whole experience feeling so optimistic. Um, I went and saw the women that I work for um, gifted me an experience with an energy worker oh, that yes. they see. And I went and saw her and had the most healing, amazing experience and heard a lot of things that I needed to hear. And the biggest takeaway is like this baby was so aware of you and everything you were feeling, everything you needed. And she knew that the longer things went on, like the more complicated this would get. And she wanted this to be easy for you. And she was like, and this one was so amazing. She was like, you are one of the most resilient people. And she was like, you need to know that that's what this child was amplified. Like your resilience in a baby. Like she grew longer than she should have. She stayed alive longer than she should have. Like she was so strong, but she also knew what her being born alive would mean and what it would take. And just, it's one of those things where you really can look at it and just be like, well, like, this is the way that it was supposed to be. And I truly feel that way. This is the way that my life was supposed to be. And it's funny, like, I was pregnant. And I was like, I'm ready to have a baby. I'm ready. And now here I am a year later mm-hmm. without a baby. And I'm like, I wasn't ready. Like, I didn't know what I was <laughs> doing. Like, and I kind of think it's that thing where people say, like, I'm not ready to have kids. And I was like, you'll convince yourself you are when it comes. Yeah, when and then it if it comes. doesn't work out, <laughs> you're like, what was I thinking? I can't have a child right now. How I have all this other stuff That's I have to so take real. care of. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so it's just been, overall, I would say it was a really positive experience. And I know that sounds so crazy, but wouldn't change a thing. I, I love it. I love what I learned about myself. Um, and then since then it's been tricky. Like last, um, I got my period back like six weeks after and things Mm. were regular and normal and I was like okay well I guess we can try again you know we can start trying and we started trying and I'd find myself trying even though we kind of thought like okay we'll probably can't get pregnant on our own again like we're probably just back to where we were yeah but we would try and then like the two weeks leading up to waiting to find out I was a mess I was anxious and stressed and um fearful and just all of those emotions and I always felt a huge amount of relief when I would get my period because the reality is is I don't get to be blissfully unaware of pregnancy pregnancy. and I know that if I get pregnant on my own naturally I have like 11 to 13 weeks of waiting to find out whether or not the baby is healthy and I have friends that have had miscarriages and even you know early miscarriages and having that happen repetitive amounts of time for other people pregnancy is not fun it's stressful and it can be fun when you have the the blissfully unaware but when you've gone through something it really is a stressful anxious experience and you are just constantly waiting for the rug to get pulled out from underneath you like at any moment you're like something's gonna go wrong and I just know that it's something I'm honestly scared. I, getting pregnant naturally at this point does not sound like a good idea for someone like me, having gone through what I've gone through. So I've kind of decided to take that off my plate and go back to um, the plan of IVF because the idea of making some 
healthy babies in a lab that I know have the right amount of yeah. chromosomes and, oh, totally. and yeah. have um, all jokes aside yeah like... and just go with that process is what gives me peace of mind and I think it sounds great because the reality is is honestly when you get pregnant it's kind of like a little bit like roulette like you it could go any number of ways Mm -hmm. and the reality is is trisomy 18 although it's a genetic condition it is not inherited it's not passed down it occurs completely randomly um i don't screen positive for it my husband doesn't screen positive for it obviously we've had it happen to us once so it's more likely that it would happen again and i don't want to endure that experience um i think it's yeah, it just becomes a lot more, it's still a low statistic, but it's a lot more likely for it to happen again. And I just, if I can take some of those mental burdens off of my plate, I'm going to do it. And Mm -hmm. that's the plan. And I think that being empowered in that decision is really amazing. And um, just being able to take control of what I can feels really good to me because there's a lot that's... Well, you were put, you were like, (laughs) thrown into a situation where you almost had to learn to like surrender control completely and you know obviously I think people will handle their situations differently but in your circumstance it sounds like what worked for you was just being like this is her ride yes I'm gonna let her ride it out yeah (laughs) you know and to be able to kind of move forward in the future saying you know I'll have a little bit of my control back might be exactly what yeah. your peace of mind needs. And that will be perfect for you when you're yeah. there. You it's know? just eliminates for me. IVF eliminates that 13 week waiting period of making of, sure like, that everything's worrying. healthy. Obviously I could miscarry or something else could go wrong, but at least I would know that the embryo inside of me is healthy. Yeah. The genetically. And that if I do make it sense. past that first trimester that I truly kind of am in that space that a lot of women get to enter that's like okay we can like kind we're of gonna have a baby yes. and this will be great yeah. yeah so that's kind of my plan well that's amazing olivia yeah is there anything else coming out on the back side of this that you'd like to share with someone that you wish maybe you had known going into it or just um, any last words of advice support oh anything? my gosh I feel like I've said so much. I've said so much stuff. But what I what I would say is, um, when I had that first appointment, the doctor asked me if I was interested in genetic testing, and I just said, "Oh, we're gonna do this," and I just want to find out what I'm having. I think that it they ask it in a meaningful way, and I think know what you're getting yourself into, and understand that. I mean, they say do this test if there's any chance that it could change the way you feel about your baby if something's wrong and I just I remember saying like no it wouldn't (laughs) it changes everything and I think just um being aware that these things that you don't even know exist can happen and taking those things seriously and really understanding what all of it means and preparing yourself for all possible scenarios is and was helpful for me I mean just really understanding it's so fun and it's easy to get caught up when you're newly pregnant and all the fun and exciting things and planning ahead but I think it is so important to take a beat and to really think about every step that you're taking along the way and what's going to feel right for you um I'm so happy I did genetic testing because the reality is is I they would have had to have done a biopsy on my baby to find out why I miscarried and what the issue was because I didn't make it to 20 weeks 
so I wouldn't have had information from the anatomy scan. scan. So um, I think genetic testing, I think it's a modern science that we're so lucky to be able to have. And I think getting that information, um, whether you want it or not, I don't think everybody needs to do it. But if I'm happy I did. And that's just one little thing. But I love that. That's yeah, perfect. Just okay. Yeah. Well, thank you, Olivia. Yeah, thank you. Well, you guys, after listening to that, you and I both know I don't have to add much. Olivia is incredible. Her story just fills me with awe at her strength and her courage and the grace with which she handed what life threw her. Trisomy 18 is extremely rare. It's something I'm sure Olivia never anticipated having to face. And now she is becoming the voice for those who may find themselves in a situation similar to hers. She in choosing to open up and share her story, will save someone who feels like they're floundering when they receive a diagnosis like she did. Olivia is absolutely incredible. We are so lucky to have heard her story, and I hope that it has changed you just like it changed me. If you're not already, follow along on Instagram at undereducated.pod and catch us here next week for another episode. Mm-hmm.